I'd like for you this evening to turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he is praying his final prayer. John chapter 17, verse 14. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. And then just if you could go three chapters on from there to John chapter 20, and let's read from verse 21. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Father, this evening, we come together as a church, as your church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for your word to us as your body. I thank you, Father, that you are still speaking through your word that we can hear your voice and be encouraged. I ask God tonight that as your word would go forth, that you would give us the wisdom to apply this truth, that we would not misunderstand, that we would not misapply what your word declares for us to do. But we thank you that you have given us the precious Holy Spirit he is the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, and the spirit of truth. And we ask God together as a congregation that the Holy Spirit would come and would guide us into all truth. We know, Father, that there are many different people here that are living out many different stories and many different journeys in their walk with God. But I thank you, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to take this word and live that word out in our individual stories. And I ask God tonight that we would live this word with truth, that we would live this word with accuracy. I ask God that this word would be fuel in the growth of this church, that this word would encourage us to do that which honors your, word, your church, the body of Christ, and honors your word. We declare this evening that we are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can do absolutely nothing. And I ask God from this pulpit that we would not be beat up, but that we would be built up, that we would be encouraged, that we would be equipped. 
I ask God that every service of the Durban Christian Center, Lord, would, would, would be in a response, in a positive response to this word as it goes forth. Every life group, every, every department in this church, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, that we would begin to see a phenomenal growth understanding this key truth in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen and amen. If you want to get a good summary of a person's life, then listen carefully to what they say on their deathbed. When you know that you've got not much more time to live, all of a sudden what you say becomes weighted and it carries great significance. You simply don't waste your words when your life is coming to an end. And the last words of a man or a woman will give you a snapshot of what their life is truly like. For example, when you look at the last words of Leonardo da Vinci, he said the most amazing thing. This is what he said. I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Isn't that phenomenal? That Leonardo da Vinci didn't believe that his work was a true reflection of his own capacity and ability. Thomas B. Moron, he was a very famous pickpocketer. He was given the name Butterfingers by the press, and he had a distinguished accomplishment. Do you know what his accomplishment was? He stole 50,000 wallets in his career. 50,000 wallets. I wonder how much money he got from stealing 50,000 wallets. 50,000, not five, not 500, not 5,000, but 50,000 wallets. And he was on his deathbed. And there was somebody close by that took down what he said. And this is what he said. I've never forgiven that smart alecky reporter who named me Butterfingers. To me, it's not funny. He's not worried about the 50,000 that he stole from. For him, the most important thing is that he was called Butterfingers by some press reporter. Totally got the point of his life mixed up. And here in John chapter 17, we read of the last words of Jesus just before he dies. And what he says is critical because in effect, he is summarizing his mission to the earth. He's explaining what he came to achieve, why he gave up the luxury and the richness of heaven to come down to the earth. And in his last words... Jesus speaks about the relationship of three things. He speaks of the relationship between himself, between the world and the church. Himself, the world, and the church. And what Jesus is showing us is that it is important for the church today to understand the relationship that Jesus had with the world, what his purpose was in the world, the attitude of the world to Jesus. And it is also equally important that the church understand her relationship with the world. Beloved, we have a purpose in this world. And Jesus shows us what that purpose is. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said, For I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then in John chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, what is absolutely surprising to me is that Jesus was sent by the Father into the world. And if you look and see what the Bible says, and if you just look at the kind of world that we are living in, the world is not the ideal place to go to because the world is under the power of Satan. How many of you can bear witness that the world is under the power of Satan? Can I see your hand this evening? The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, and as a result, it is opposed to God. And the Father had to send Jesus into this hostile environment in order to bring salvation to the world. And so the church stands in awe of Jesus, who came into this aggressive world with great courage and bravery, yet all the time Jesus never stepped down from his calling, and he never compromised his mission. And John begins to tell us what this world really looks like, what the operating system of the world looks like. Now, if you've got God's favorite cell phone, I know Pastor Mervyn spoke about the favorite translation, but do you know that God has a favorite cell phone? It's called the iPhone. And there is a very powerful operating system that makes God's favorite phone work just well. No viruses, hashtag just saying, it all works good, it all works well. But there is an operating system that, that flows and manifests itself in the world. And John begins to tell us about that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. This is what he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Now, now he begins to tell us what's in the world. Number one, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but is from the world. John tells us, that the world has three pillars that define it. Number one, they try and satisfy what their sinful desires want to do. Number two, they long for what their sinful eyes look at. In other words, the world is driven by people seeing and wanting to have what their eyes see. And number three, they take pride in what they have and what they do. In other words, there's the self-important sense of superiority. This is the system of the world. And it's this system that stands against everything that is Christian, everything that is godly, and everything that is seen in the church. And beloved, this is where Jesus came to save people. Jesus did not wash his hands of the world and leave them to go to their own wicked ways. 
Jesus came on a mission to save immoral people that have been caught in the system of the world. What is amazing about what Jesus does is he goes right into the heart of evil. He goes right into the line of fire. He goes right into the epicenter of everything that is ungodly. And he takes great courage. He faces the hostility of the world and he saves people out of that evil system one soul at a time. This is the amazing Jesus that we serve. Oh, and by the way, while he is doing this, the world is accusing him. But other people's accusations did not stop Jesus in his determination to save people from the system of the world. The world was trying to kill him, but this didn't stop Jesus. The evil of the world itself didn't stop Jesus from reaching out. In other words, Jesus was not looking for a comfortable environment before he could save people. I want to say that again. Jesus was not looking for a comfortable environment before he could start saving people. Some of us say, well, I, I'm, only, I'm only going to really be effective in the kingdom of God if everyone says amen when I'm running the life group. But that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was in the line of fire. They were accusing him. They were belittling him. Do you know that they said the most crazy things about Jesus? They said that Jesus has a demon. Do you think Jesus folded in and said, oh, I can't do this, Father. Would you take me back home? No, Jesus came in the midst of this evil society, this operating system, and he was determined that he was going to win one soul after the next, after the next. Too many times we're looking for a comfortable, yes, everyone must agree, everyone must like us, but that's not the way it's going to work. You and I need a little bit of backbone. People are going to talk about us. People are going to criticize us. People are going to say all kinds of things about us. But is that going to stop us? No. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And we're not going to stop until we see everyone in Durban saved. And Jesus comes right into this world to save the world. Look and see what the Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 46. He says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, this evil world, this contrary world. He says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Do you see the heart of Jesus here? He's saying, I'm coming into the most evil place, but I have not come to judge the world just yet, but I have come to save the world. God called Jesus into the world to save the world. And Jesus did not assimilate into the world. He did not become one with the world. He did not adopt the standards of the world. God calls him to the world. He saves those who are in darkness. Yet all the while, he does not become a part of the world. He does not adapt to the world. He comes into the most evil place, and yet remaining the light, he's able to save one person after the other, after the other. Would you say after me, Jesus was not of the world? 
Would you say Jesus was in the world, but Jesus was not of the world? This is a, a powerful truth. No one can save those who are in darkness when they are not light themselves. In other words, God did not take us away when we were born again and say, well, let the world sort itself out. God sends us into the world. God sends us into this evil environment, and you and I are the light of the world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, that you and I are the light of the world. And if you switch your light off, you will not be able to save those that are in darkness. Darkness cannot save darkness. The church is the light of the world. We are to shine. We are to show Jesus, but we never become darkness. Would you say after me, I am the light of the world. I am to shine. I am to show Jesus. In other words, Jesus was in the world, but he was not of the world. Jesus was a light that shone in the world, and whatever is true of the world was not true of Jesus. There was a distinctiveness about Jesus, and it was that distinctiveness that enabled him to reach a people who were caught in the cycles of sin. And in the same way, you and I as the church we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We carry a distinctiveness about us. We do not acclimatize to the world. We do not blend in with the world. We are not spiritual chameleons where we adapt the world's standards so that you can't tell the world apart from us. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Would you tell somebody close by you, your neighbor, would you say, you are in the world but you are not of the world. There is a powerful principle that you and I, when we become one with that environment, when we submit to an environment, whatever we submit to, we become one with that environment. Now, I know millennials don't know much about this, but let's talk to those over the age of 35. If I take gelatin-flavored water and I put it in a fridge and I leave it there for a while, I put water in, I leave it in the fridge, what's going to come out? Jelly. Jelly comes out. How many of you like jelly? Oh, I love jelly. So in order to get your jelly, you take the gelatin-flavored water, you put it in the fridge, you leave it there, and isn't it interesting that the water adapts to the environment? And the water is changed by that environment. And we have to be careful that in the way we run our businesses, that we do not adjust to the environment that we find ourselves in. In the way that we conduct our relationships, that we don't adjust to the environment that you and I find ourselves in. The righteousness that Jesus has given us, beloved, it's not a passive righteousness. It is an active positive righteousness. It is a righteousness that does not conform to the surrounding environment. In other words, God has given you everything it takes not to blend in with the environment, but to challenge the environment, to be a light in the environment that you are in. This 
particular righteousness speaks into the very heart of the evil system of the world so that when they look at us, they see this group of people, they're not like us. You put water in the freezer and you're going to get ice. But when you put a believer in the world, you get light. There's got to be a distinctiveness about us. And we resist the environment that we are in. Would you tell the person next to you, you've got to resist? Would you tell them you're in the world, but you're not of the world, but you sent to the world? Let's say that again. Would you find somebody else? I think that was a good rehearsal. Find somebody else with a little bit of faith. Would you say you're in the world? You're not of the world, but you sent to the world. Oh, you and I are going to face some hard criticism. We're going to face all kinds of things. But don't worry. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're not giving in to that world system. We're not going to cheat like they cheat, lie like they lie, and do all those kinds of things. You and I are the salt of the earth, and we're the light of the world. So if you go into a harsh environment, you and I have to resist that environment. Pastor Kwanda was telling me the other day that he went into this major storm. Pastor Kwanda, do you want to come up here? He was in this major storm, and the wind was blowing. He was telling me how the wind was blowing, and the snow was falling. It was quite a crazy storm. Can you imagine that storm? I mean, it's freezing cold. Now, you can still feel it. Uh, the wind is just howling. He's in the environment, but he can't be of the environment, but he's sent to the environment. This environment is contrary to your faith because this environment doesn't honor God. This environment doesn't... Are you okay, Pastor Kwanda? You're not okay. If, how many of you know that if he is left like this, he's going to become cold like the environment is cold? How many, how many of you can bear witness? It, it can't remain like this. I think we need to find you a nice big jacket. Do, do you need a jacket? All right, we're going to ask an angel to come and help you. Uh, you no, leave my jacket alone. You, here's a jacket. And here, here comes, oh, and God, God gives you a nice jacket. This is the righteousness of God. It is an act of righteousness. It's, it's a, a righteousness that protects us in the environment. Can you zip yourself up, Pastor Kwanda? Because you're very cold, right? It's freezing in this wind. The wind is howling. It's snowing all over. We can't adapt to this environment. We resist the environment. And this is what it's like for you and I as believers. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. All the time, we're resisting. All the time, we're not letting that cold come in. All the time, we're saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to cheat like you cheat. I'm not going to swear like you swear. I'm not going to live like you live. And we are very different from the world around us. But there is an act of resistance. When Jesus came into the world, oh, I can see some of you are shaking there. I mean, just the wind itself is causing us to shiver. You, you, they must get their own jacket. Yeah, you get your own jacket. But this is what it's like for us as believers. We are not of the world. We do not talk like the world. 
We do not behave like the world. We are the light of the world. Hallelujah. So we are in the world, but we do not live in conformity to the standards of the world. And by the vitality of our relationship with God, we obey the Father just like Jesus obeyed the Father in the world. It is the strength of our intimacy with God that enables us to be somewhere that is contrary to us, but not become what we are in. To be in a system that is contrary to us, but not become what we are in. How do we do that? By keeping your relationship with Jesus alive. Oh, it's keeping your prayer life alive. You see, I love what God has done. He, he, he kind of says, well, I'm going to give you everything that you need to survive in this world. But it takes you and I to fight the fight of faith so that we don't become like the environment that we are in. They are violent, but we are not violent. We are violent in faith, but we are not violent like they are violent. How many of you can understand what I'm saying? Let's give Pastor Kwanda a big thank you. Now, there are two problems that we see with born-again believers when it comes to this awkward relationship with the world. The first is, that believers conform, many, many believers conform to the standards, the values, and the lifestyles of the world. But you and I take courage in the example that we find in Jesus. Because just like us, Jesus was in the world. Just like us, Jesus was not taken out of the world. Just like us, the Father wanted Jesus to remain in this hostile environment, just like us, Jesus came to save the lost in the world. And we are encouraged by the example of Jesus because Jesus only perfectly conformed to the Father. You can be in this contrary environment, but only conform to Jesus. In other words, the roots of the tree went so far down deep that Jesus was drawing from another water table. He's in the world, but he's not of the world. He was strengthened by another source. His delight was in another source. He did not look to the world for affirmation. One week, they sang, Hosanna to the son of David. In seven days, those very same people are crying, crucify him. My friend, we cannot take our praise from those that are in the world. But Jesus completely and he wholeheartedly looked to the Father. And here is a powerful truth. The secret to the church not putting out her light in the darkness of the world and becoming indistinct is to live a life sold out to Jesus. What a powerful statement. The way we don't put out our light is to live a life sold out for Jesus. Would you tell the person next to you with preacher attitude, would you say, live a life sold out for Jesus? Would you find somebody else behind them, behind you and say, oh, live a life sold out for Jesus? But family, 
there is another danger. And the other danger is that we many times retreat and separate ourselves from the world. We look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? And what we then do is we form barriers, and these barriers stop us winning the lost. We let pride become a barrier. We start rejecting the people that are different to us, that wear clothes different to us. And we become hostile towards those who don't talk like us and those who don't live like us. It kind of reminds me about what happened to lepers in the Bible. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, the leprous person who has the disease, the Bible says, shall wear torn clothes. How many of you have got torn jeans tonight? Pastor Ricardo, is that a bit of a tear I see there? Well, torn clothes was a sign and this is not the case here, that they had leprosy. <laughs> and they let the hair of their head hang loose. Did anybody not comb their hair? Oh, I see one or two besheveled looks tonight. And they shall cover his lip. So if anyone needs justification as to why not to have a mustache, here it is, because they would cover their lip, and you know what they would shout out? Unclean, unclean, tomei, tomei. Now, what's interesting is everyone would run away from that leper who shouts out unclean. It was a lonely life. It was a lonely existence. But there were these barriers. There, there were these barriers that were formed. And I declare this evening that many times we as a church, we separate ourselves from the world. But we are in the world, not of the world, but sent to the world. My friend, how are you going to win the lost if you only have friends as, as, or Christians as friends? How are you going to win the lost when you don't have anyone around you that is, is not born again? Do you know what we do? Is we create this comfortable environment around us. But there is a... A, a truth that you and I need to demonstrate, and that is I, I am in the world, I, I'm not of the world, but I am sent to the world. Jesus so focused on living in obedience to the Father that he was not threatened by other people touching him. In, in the old system, if you were touched by, by somebody that was unclean, you became defiled. When they took Jesus to go and get crucified, they didn't want to go into the house of the Roman governor because if they went in, they would be unclean and they would not be able to participate in the Passover. But Jesus comes and establishes a new order. And the new order is, if I touch the unclean, they are made whole. How many of you know that the lady with the issue of blood came and touched Jesus? Did Jesus say, who's touched me? I've become unclean. No, the power of God in him was greater, and that power made the unclean clean. 
And I want to tell you this evening that the power of God is in, that is in you is so much greater that you, as you reach out to the world, makes the, the unclean clean. It's not your power, but the greater power of God on the inside of you. So can I tell you what happens is we begin to get church a little bit mixed up. I'm going to ask a, a Pastor Kwanda, Ricardo, Mervyn, uh, Rylan, if you can come and join us, Pastor Albi, Pastor Danny, uh, Vasu, can you come help me? Can you guys quickly come onto the stage? Can we give them a big round of applause this evening? We're in the world, we're of the world, but we are sent to the world. Sent to the world. So I'm going to ask if you could link your arms together, make a circle all facing on the inside. Let's see if they can get this right. Oh my, how clever they are. This is what we let church become like. It's all about us. Oh, it's all about our needs and what God's got to do for us. And, 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 and I do know that we do have needs, and I'm not making light of that. But when it becomes all about us, we become so inward focused. I'm trying to get their attention, but no one's worried about me. I'm the one at work that's, that's going through a divorce or, or going through some kind of a personal problem, but everyone is faced inward. Our life group is faced inward. Our, our, our church is faced inward. And so what we do is we start comparing ourselves with one another talking about one another, because this is not the model that Jesus established. If anything is healthy, it will grow. If anything is healthy, it will grow. And if we look inward and we comparing this singer with that singer, oh, we, 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 we didn't really feel the anointing this, this morning. I don't know what happened this morning. Oh, did you notice the lights were going a little bit crazy? And we, we become so critical, we become so inward focused that we, we forget about the world out there that needs to be saved, the world that needs Jesus. And I'm reminded what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. I wonder if we could put that up on the screen. Because he says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When we're focusing only on ourselves, and it's all about us, me, myself, and I, and we're not looking outward, we begin to become critical we become dry, we lose our focus. My friend, it's not a good place for us to be. I do believe that Jesus has set the model for the church, for your life group, living in fellowship and evangelism. In other words, no longer should we be focused inward, but I'm gonna ask these gentlemen to turn around and link each other in the circle facing outward. This is how church should be. Jesus was sent into the world, yet Jesus did not become one with the world. And he did some things that upset the religious establishment. He made friends with those that were in the world. Jesus was not inward focused, Jesus was outward focused.
You see, I'm wondering how many people I can bring to church. This is just my thinking if I'm in a Christian cycle club because we're all Christian. Are we focusing inward or are we focusing outward? I wonder, I wonder how effective I'm going to be as a soul winner if I'm in a Christian running club where everybody's Christian. Am I focusing inward or am I focusing outward? Because I'm in the world, I'm not of the world, but I'm sent to the world. And so what I do is I isolate myself. Oh, I can't be friends with you. No, don't you know that I'm a believer? My faith just melts if I hear a swear word. I can't accept you. But how many of you understand that if you're going to be in the world, you're going to hear those things. But don't you do that. And we go to those that do those things and say, hey, listen, there's a better life for you. His name is Jesus. He can help you through that, through that, that situation that you're going through. His name is Jesus. The Bible tells us, this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, that the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him. This is the religious establishment. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And notice what they said of Jesus. He is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, Jesus never sinned with the sinner. When anyone came into the presence of Jesus, Zacchaeus, does the Bible tell us that Zacchaeus received a sermon from Jesus? Jesus comes to his house and he's repenting. He's saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. That's the power of light. We don't compromise our relationship with God. We don't we don't become the chameleon in that environment. But my friend, if we are going to win the world for Jesus, we're going to win the world one friend at a time. You cannot win the lost when you defriend the lost. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Because I know that this is a bit of a... You cannot win the lost when you defriend the lost. You are in the world, you're not of the world, but you are sent to the world. And so we win one friend at a time. Can we give our gentlemen a big God bless you? The amazing thing about Jesus is he received sinners without becoming a sinner. He ate with sinners without sharing in their sin. And so this evening I'd like to tell you a true story that took place during World War II. And after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, a gentleman by the name of Desmond Doss enlists in the army to serve as a combat medic. And Doss is placed under the command of Sergeant Howell. 
History tells us that he excels physically. But there's only one problem. He refuses to carry a gun. And he refuses to train on Saturdays. Now, if you are in the army, you have to carry a gun. If you don't carry a gun, that's crazy. But he was in that environment, but he was not of that environment. He did not allow those standards, the, the standards that that, that uh, army represented to compromise his own standards. And Sergeant Hal tried to get Doss discharged because he told the sergeant, I heard from God. And the sergeant said, oh, so you're hearing voices. And they embarked upon this whole trial to get rid of him, but it was overruled. Doss's unit was assigned to the 77th Infantry Division and was deployed to the Pacific Theater. And during the Battle of Okinawa, his unit was sent, this is a true story, he, his unit was sent to relieve the 96th Infantry Division. And in order to fight the battle, the soldiers had to ascend and descend the Maeda Escarpment that otherwise became known as the Hacksaw Ridge. And one early morning, history tells us, the Japanese launched a massive counterattack and drove the Americans off the escarpment, leaving behind the wounded. And there were thousands that were left stranded. Some had their legs amputated because of all the, the weaponry. It was a terrible situation. DOS is just about to go down. You can see that escarpment there, just about to go down. He's in this environment, but he's not of this environment. But he kind of shows us what we as believers are that we sent to the environment. And he hears the cries of the dying soldiers. And he goes back to save them. Let's have a look and see. You up? You ready to get out of here? I sure am. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more.
give you one more. Uh, 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 one more. And that's what we as the church are like. We're in this environment that is anti-God. We, we're not of this environment, but we sent to the world. And beloved, it's your prayer and it's my prayer. God, would you just give me one more? Would you just give me one more? The bullets are flying. There's all kinds of arguments that are, are going against us. There's all kinds of criticisms against us. But we say, oh God, would you just give us one more? One more, God. Would you just give us one more soul? Would you give us the opportunity to invite one more person to church. I'm not of this world. This is not what I agree with. This is not what my standards are. But I know, God, that you've sent me into this world. And just like Desmond Doss, our cry as the church is, Lord, just one more. Would you give us just one more? I understand that I am sent to this world. Would you tell the person next to you just one more? Just one more. I don't know who that just one more is. I don't know who it is at work that, that has an opportunity maybe to come on August the 9th to the Unleashed. Maybe somebody that's going through a very hard time. Just one more. Just one more. I know that they swear at you. I know that they've gone and said bad things about you to HR that are not true. But just one more. This is the environment that Jesus thrived in, and his faith never gave in. Let's not look for a comfortable environment, church. We're not going to find that comfortable environment. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. But the very people that are saying and doing those things are the very people we're going back and we're saying, just one more, just one more. Do you know how you're going to change that environment? by reaching out and taking that soul and saying, Lord Jesus, just one more. Heavenly Father, thank you, musicians. Can we all stand up together this, this evening? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has come to us this evening. We thank you, God, that you have called us to such a great, great ministry, reaching out to those that don't know your love. And I thank you, God, like good soldiers of Jesus Christ, with our faith alive, our relationship with you alive, that we can go into the world and take just one more. I ask God that there would be a revival in this church where we go to our cycling club, to our running club, to our gymnastic club, and we go and say, just one more. To the office, just one more. And when that person comes in, just like we've seen, we go back and we say, Lord, just one more. Until we see Durban wonderfully born again. Till we see the glory Oh, and, and the splendor of God just fall on our city. That righteousness would exalt the city. Just one more. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, what amazes me about this story is that Jesus 
came at such great personal cost to come and take us out of the clutches of sin and deliver us and set us free. It's interesting, he talks about a shepherd that had a hundred sheep and he finds that one sheep, one little sheep is missing. And he puts the 99 sheep away safely and Jesus goes after that one lost sheep. And you may be here this evening and you say, you know, to be honest with you, Wayne, I feel like I'm lost. I don't know the love of Jesus. I've never experienced the peace of Jesus. I'm trying to make this happen in my own strength and in my own ability. And as much as I try, I fail. The wonderful thing about Jesus is that anybody, anybody can come. He welcomes everyone. And this is the life that I believe that God desires for you to live. That no longer would you be under this cloud of guilt, this heaviness. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, come to me, come to me, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden because that's what life does without Jesus. Weary and heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. This evening, we would like to pray for those of you tonight that would say, Wayne, I'm far away from Jesus. I don't know about the forgiveness of my sin. There is this condemnation that is over my head, this guilt that is over my head. And I keep on saying it, God wants you to live light. These things are heavy burdens that we carry in our life. It robs us of our peace. It robs you of your joy. But when you come to Jesus and you humble yourself and you say, God, I cannot live this life one more day without you. I surrender everything to you. And we are promoted into life. This is the life that God has for you. When he died on that cross, Jesus took your failures. Jesus took your sin. So that when you come to him, like tonight, he takes that sin from off you. He removes that guilt from off you and you are given a whole new start at life. It's incredible. It's like the clouds look whiter. It's like the whole world just takes on a different perspective. It's like everything. It's like, it's like having your blurred vision come in sight. It's incredible, this life that can be found in Jesus. And if you were to be honest, you know that you are far away from God. But tonight, we don't want to bring you under any condemnation. We'd like to pray for you. What an honor it would be for us to pray for you. Jesus endured all that criticism that I spoke about in order to bring you to life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say tonight, I don't know Jesus. 
would you please pray with me? Of course we would. Man, what a great day for you. What a wonderful day today, right now, today. So you would say, would you please pray with me? I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask for you to quickly slip up your hand and say, yes, that's me. Would you please pray with me? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to belittle you. All we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two. Are you ready? On the count of three now. Three, quickly. If you would put up your hands. Thank you. God bless you. Who else tonight would say, yes, that's me. Thank you. God bless you. Who else? Over there. God bless you. Who else tonight would say, yes, that's me. Come on. Would you put your hand up and wave it at me and let me see that hand. We're going to thank you over there. God bless you. Who else tonight would say, yes, that's me. Right in the back there. God bless you. Who else tonight would say, would you please pray with me? In a moment, we're going to do just that. Anyone else tonight, quickly, if you would lift up your hands and say, would you please pray with me? Those of you that have lifted up your hands, you're all over this building. What a party is going on in heaven right now. I want you to step out of your chairs. Would you come and join us here in the front? Don't remain where you are. Don't remain. Come and join us. Come, come and join us. Don't, don't remain where you are. But come and join us in the name of Jesus. Come in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Let's give him a big God bless you. Some of you, you've raised your hands, but you're remaining where you are. Come. We're going to just pray together. Don't worry. We're not going to embarrass you. But would you step out from where you are and come and join us? There were four that lifted up your hands. You're in the congregation. Now, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But if you need somebody to come down and join this young man, would you ask the person next to you, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. I was seven years old when I said yes to Jesus. It's never too early to come to Jesus. What an awesome thing that your whole life can be serving Jesus. You don't have to go through all this stuff that so many other people go through. And you can come and join us here in the front. Would you ask the person next to you? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for helping us, ushers. That's, that's absolutely awesome. I don't want you to sit where you are when your response was yes, I'm coming to Jesus. There were, there were four of you that, besides this young man, that said yes to Jesus, but you, you're just remaining back. Now, once again, we're not, we're not here to embarrass you. In fact, I'd like to come and meet you here in the front. Would you come and meet us? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know this is a brave thing you're doing. Thank you. God bless you. Come on, let's give them a, a, a big round of applause, church. Wonderful, wonderful. Can I shake your hand? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Is there anybody else? Wonderful. Can I shake your hand? Come shake my hand. Is there anybody else? Are you still coming? Here they come. Here they come. Come on, church. Come on. God's doing something tonight. God bless you. God bless you, young man. Come stand here. 
Is there anybody else this evening? You say, Wayne, would you just hold up just for one moment before you pray here in the front? These lives are about to be changed by the power of Jesus. Isn't this wonderful? Is there anybody else before we pray tonight? Just would you slip out from where you are and come and join us here in the front. It's not too late. It's not too late. We're going to sing this one more time. And as we sing it, this is your opportunity. Ask somebody to come with you. Would you do that? I'm going to ask if we can just ask one another, do you know that your sins are forgiven? Come on, let's not be shy. And if they say, I'm not too sure, then the right place for you to be is here in the front. And let's help one another. We want to help one another as we sing. Come and join us. Come and join us. here in the front, we're going to stretch out our hands to these precious young boys and young girls. This is wonderful. We're going to pray together, and Jesus is going to hear every single word that you say, and in a moment of time, He's going to come and change your heart forever, forever, forever. Would you say the word forever? Never will you be the same again. Church, can we stretch out our hands? The singers are going to help us. I wonder if we can all join hands. Can we do that? And I'm going to come and hold your hand right here. Let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that God raised you from the dead. I'm sorry for living my life without you. But I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. You take all my sins and you throw them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. The guilt is removed from off my life. I turn my back on the devil and on the kingdom of darkness. But from this moment forward, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these precious folk. I thank you, God, that every bondage is broken off their lives. I thank you, Father, what the devil meant for harm and destruction is canceled. I thank you, Father, that from this moment forward, that they would find their place and that they would blossom in this house, that they would become committed and faithful and grow from strength to strength, from faith to faith, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Can we give them a big round of applause tonight?